God, we thank you for... God, we thank you that you have sent the Holy Spirit that makes things like this possible. It makes knowing you possible. It makes experiencing you possible. So Jesus, I pray for your spirit to be tangible tonight and to change us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Man, I I love, um, I do love that song of just of a declaration of, I mean, it really is a prayer, which is fitting for uh, where we're going tonight. I'm just saying, Jesus, we, we realize your Holy Spirit's real, and we're inviting you here. Um, so if you haven't been with us, or if you forgot what we've talked about in the past two weeks, we're in a series called Basics, and we've been talking about the basics of our faith. Why behind the basics behind Christianity? So we've we've tackled why Jesus, why Jesus is important, why why. Why do we believe so much, talk so much, emphasize so much about Jesus? Um, We talked about last week, why the Bible? Why do we uh, read the Bible? Why do we believe the Bible? And why should you read the Bible? And I I pray that maybe you took the challenge of getting into it. it. It's such, it's just such a good, it's not just a book, it's, it's God's words that will leap off the pages towards us. So I, I pray that, um, you've been there. And speaking of prayer, tonight that's where we're going. I want to answer the question, why prayer? And so if you don't have notes or you want to take notes, and you can just kind of slyly sneak back to the back in that little table next to the sound booth. There's some notes there. If not, um, if you have some other scrap paper, write it on there. Because I think God's given me something important. Because I believe prayer is one of the most important parts of our faith. But I also believe that prayer is one of the most neglected parts of our faith. Right? Like, we might pray um, before food, you know, when you, when you get that greasy cheeseburger and you're like, God, will you bless this? I know it's, it's completely impossible, but can you make it not uh, give me clogged arteries and one day kill me? Um, but, you know, live as Christ, die as gain, whatever. But uh, that's not, take care of your body. But, you know, you might pray before a meal. You might pray before you go to sleep. You know, I remember growing up, and there was always the nightly prayer. It was always the same thing. It never changed. It was literally the exact same words every night before you went to bed. But that's okay. But maybe that's the only times that you pray. And so my goal tonight is not to guilt us into praying, not to guilt anyone into praying more, but to show the reasons why it's important. And then I hope to end the night with some practical reasons of how you can pray. Because some people just like, what is this like? I'm talking to someone I can't see. Uh, what do I say? You know, preacher man says all big kind of words, and I don't even know what they mean, but I'll just throw this up and see what happens. And so I hope tonight that you walk away going, man, prayer is valuable, and I think I can do it. And so that's the goal. Because most of us know our prayer, like prayer is just talking with God, right? It's communication. You've probably heard we're in a series right now as a church called War Room where we're talking about the idea of prayer, the importance of prayer. And so we understand that it's important. Because communication is a pretty important thing, right? How many of you have communicated with someone today? You've spoken with someone today? Everyone, hopefully. If not, maybe you're a monk and you're just kind of like hiding out and you've kind of come back into civilization but you don't want to talk. Or you're super introverted and you're like, I ain't talking to anyone. But we, when, we would all say that communication is a pretty valuable thing. I mean, think about this, guys. Real quick, guys. If you want a girl to like you, you got to talk to her, right? Oh, you know, J.D. Yeah, man. 
I feel it, bro. Girls, maybe you want a guy to like you. You're probably going to have to talk to him at some point if you really want him to like you. Right? And, and so communication is a valuable thing, especially in relationship. Now, if you don't, if you don't talk to someone, and I'm not talking like, hey, you, you sent them a direct message on Instagram or uh, added them really creepily on Snapchat and then just all of a sudden sent them a chat. I'm not talking about that kind of communication. Not hiding behind a computer, hiding behind your phone, but actually like face-to-face conversation, maybe over the phone, I don't know. Does anyone like talking on the phone anymore? No. Who would rather like text? Who would rather text? Who would rather talk on the phone? Just on average, Jared, why you got to make this difficult? If you're going to have to, your preference naturally is to talk on the phone or text. Mine is text message. Lauren calls me when she's coming home from work, and she'll be walking to the car, and I'm like, I, I can hear her get in the car, and I'm like, all right, you're safe. I'll see you when you get home. <laughs> Click. I love you. I, of course I say I love you. Be safe. But anyways, we believe communication is valuable. We would all say that. And, I, and think about it like this. For my own life, if I came home, I'm married, we're four and a half weeks away from Piper showing up in the world, which is crazy, and we're, we're, I need your prayers. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. I've never changed a diaper. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. But if I came home, Lauren, I came home from a long day of work, came, and Lauren's sitting on the couch, and I just kind of plop down on the couch, and immediately I'm just like on my phone. I haven't even looked at her, hadn't said hey to her, and I'm just you know, checking out the Instagram and all that kind of stuff, and I'm not paying my wife any attention. Is that going to go good for me? No. Where am I sleeping that night? Still in the bed because I'm the man of the house. I'm just kidding. That's right. Just kidding. I'm right on the couch tonight. Turn it. I'm staying with Justin. Um, but no, if I, if I don't come in and, and if, I don't, if I don't kiss my wife and tell her hey and, and ask her about her day, Ask her how many naps she had because she's pregnant and that happens. And um, she's not going to be mad. I don't think you'll be mad about that. No, she's not. She's like, naps for the win because I don't sleep at night. But if I did that, that's going to go bad for me because communication is valuable. And it's not because Lauren is just like overly needy for my conversation because I'm just the best at communicating and everyone wants to have a conversation with me. Because that's not true. If you've ever had a conver- like one-on-one conversation with me, I'm awkward. And um, so I don't know why she married me and likes, having, likes being around me. But like, she likes having a conversation with me because she loves me and she cares for me. And she wants to continually know me. And I would say the same is true for our relationship with God. God doesn't need our communication, but he longs for it. That's a mind-blowing thing. God desires our communication. Our, our communicating back and forth with God, God desires it. He doesn't need it because God wants us to love him more than we do today, to know him more than we do today, and to experience him more than we do today. And so if we don't ever talk with God, that's never going to take place. And I'm not saying like you're on the phone or you're just sitting in your room and having like this audible conversation with God. I've never had that. I don't necessarily know that takes place. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but that is not always going to be your experience. But I do know that you can pray and read his word and God will speak to you through his word. So I want to answer why is it important, like other than just because he loves you and he cares for you and he wants to know you, why is prayer so valuable? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 34 and we're going to read two verses and we're going to kind of talk about that and then we'll move on to the how part of prayer. Psalm chapter 34, 
verses 17 and 18, it says this. When the righteous cry for help, get that, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. I, 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 it, woo, big time. Verse 17, let's dissect this. If you're taking notes, it's going to be on the screen. It's literally just out of the text. It says this. First, first point. Going to be on the screen. First point. Josh, I'm going to sm- There it is. When the righteous cry for help, he hears. When the righteous cry for help, it's literally the first part of 17. When the righteous cry for help, he hears. And I want us to kind of like sit in that for a second. Because that's mind-boggling, that God hears us. But it also says He hears the righteous. So the first question we ask, who is righteous? Because if we go to Romans 3, we see um, the writer in Romans, Paul, explains, and he's quoting out of the book of Psalm, that no one is righteous, no one does good. He, He just lays it out there like, no one does any good. No one is righteous. And then he lands it with this apart from Jesus. Apart from Jesus. I love that. See, Paul is telling us that we're on our own and we can do nothing. Because a lot of us, we even feel like that. Like, like man, maybe you guys, I'll speak to you guys because girls are just usually better at everything than we are in the real world. I know we don't necessarily live in that. But like, you know, sometimes you've been trying to talk to that girl and you're like, you want that girl to have your attention and, and you just feel like you can't do nothing to get her attention. That's a lot of us apart from Christ. We can't do anything. At least that's how I was in uh, middle and high school. I was an awkward, short, little chubby kid that looked like I was seven years younger than I actually was. But you have to. I didn't grow a beard until I was almost 20, so I couldn't grow a beard. It was a sad day. Thanks, bro. Gosh, man, you're such an encouragement. Man. So anyways, Paul is telling us we can't do anything on our own. We can literally do nothing. We're going to get back to this. We can't be righteous. So if you're sitting here and you're like, man, I, I, I get this. I, I don't know how to be righteous. I don't even know what that idea of righteousness is. I want us to look at this idea and, and not turn there, but write it down in your notes to go back to. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's one of my favorite um, chapters in the Bible. I, I love just the truth that's saturated in this text. But towards the end of it, Paul, who writes that also, is teaching this. That you can't do anything, but if you're in Christ, you become new. And then verse 21 says that he took our sin and gave us his righteousness. And so now all of a sudden when we look back at Psalm 34, verse 17, he hears the cries of the righteous. All of a sudden now if we're in Christ, Jesus isn't hearing just our cries. He's, or God isn't seeing us, he's seeing Jesus and now hears our cries. And that's a different mentality. He's hearing our cries because we're in Jesus, not because of who we are. See, Jesus on the cross, this is the gospel. Jesus on the cross takes our sin, gives us his righteousness. You, didn't, you haven't earned anything because we're all alive past the cross, post-cross. So the idea of you haven't done anything, and he's all of a sudden given you his righteousness in exchange for your sin. The, no longer old. I, I love this. I, I, just, I love this truth. Write it down. No longer old and dead, but alive and new. If you ever struggle with, man, I'm just not worth, I'm not good enough, I'm not, I don't have any worth, I don't know anything. If you're in Jesus, he teaches us that we're no longer old and dead, 
but we're new and alive. And that is game-changing news. Game-changing news because all of a sudden, you don't feel beat up anymore. All of a sudden, you kind of have a perk in your step because you're not dead. You're alive. And that truth has to be spoken over you if this is ever going to change your life. And see, and, and then the end of verse 17. So he hears the cry of the righteous and delivers them out of all of their troubles. You write in your Bible, circle, circle, underline, all. He delivers us out of all of our troubles. And that trouble is the fact that we were ultimately, the biggest trouble we were in is we were dead and we needed to become alive. And he delivers us out of that. But he also delivers us out of different things. Anyone, you know, high schoolers, I don't know, I don't really know, middle school has stuff like this, but like honors, IB classes, anyone in here that's like just trucking through that right now? Yeah, a few of us. A few of us are just like, man, I'm smart and I'm going to do this. I was like, easiest way out, even when I got to college. I, I transferred to my third college, thir- three colleges. Good gracious. And I literally met with advisors like, I want out as fast as possible. How is that possible? What degree is that? Organizational leadership? I'll take it. And I got out of college in two years after that. But anyways, he delivers us out of trouble. Some of us feel overwhelmed. School is just wearing you out. Or maybe your home life is just wearing you out. Or maybe situations at school or with friends or whatever it may be is just wearing you out. I want you to see that he brings relief. He doesn't always take us out of our situation, but God does something through prayer, through the cries of the righteous, that brings relief to the worst situations. If you feel beaten up, he restores. He restores. If you're needy, you just feel needy, you just feel like you need energy, you need help, he provides. And see, this is not always in the moment. He doesn't always change your circumstance, but he always gives a peace. Philippians tells us that it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. All understanding, it doesn't make sense. You're just, you're going through the worst time in life and people look at you and are like, how is that happening? It's because it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And then uh, verse 18 the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Once again, I just kind of like the next point, it's on the screen. The Lord is near to those who are, that are broken and crushed. The Lord is near to those that are broken and crushed. I, 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 wrote, I wrote this down and sent it to uh, Sloan and Jared earlier, and I, I just want to read it. The proud have no audience before God. Broken and crushed we come before God because we know apart from Him there is no hope. We approach with confidence, not because of who we are, but because, of, uh, because we know he hears the spirit of those who find refuge in him. Those who know there is newness in him, and because of that, he is near. I, I love, uh, you, if you just go home and read the whole chapter of Psalm 34, the idea of we take refuge in him, we seek out him, we cry to God, we know that we, we have the ability, Hebrews tells us that we can come with confidence before God, because he knows us and he's near to us, that he comes to us, that we know that it's not, our, it's not on our doing or how good we are or who we are, but because of who we know. And I, I just love the truth that, that he's near. He's not distant. He's not far. He doesn't hear us. He doesn't pay attention. He, he's c- clearly paying attention to us, and he clearly is near to us when we seek after him. So we pray, just kind of wrapping this up. We pray because he hears, and we can know that he's near. Our prayer can be wrapped up in just this idea of God hears us. He doesn't forsake us. He doesn't leave us in the dark because the Holy Spirit has come. 
And because he hears us, we can know that he's near to us. Which then, we're ultimately broken. We understand, if we know the truth that he hears us and he's near, we ultimately understand that we know we're broken apart from him, but he ultimately saves us. And that's beautiful truth. And so why you pray? Because he hears and he's near. And if that's not, I mean... If, you, if that doesn't wow you, it's, I don't, maybe it's because Jesus hasn't saved you. Because if you, see, if you think about the, the God of the universe that spoke the world into existence, that took our place, took, a, took our sin, all of our mess-ups, all of our wrongdoing, everything wrong we've ever done, took it upon Him, and then gave His righteousness, His perfection that He had for eternity past. He's always had it. And He gave it to us willingly and freely. The fact that that God hears me and is near to me when I cry out to him blows my mind. Blows my mind. So now, how? Matthew chapter 6. Turn with me there real quick. If you have ever played a sport, grown up in church, or anything like that, you probably have the Lord's Prayer memorized. Anyone just ever played a sport and before every game you recited this prayer? A few of us. So we, we kind of like know this, but I don't want us to pass over just the, the repetition and the, the, how normal it almost has become to us. Because all, I hear it a lot. I don't know how to pray. Well, the best place to look is the Bible where Jesus says, let me teach you. I'm going to teach you how to pray. If Jesus is who he said he is, what we covered two weeks ago, and he says, I'm going to teach you something, it's probably important that we actually pay attention to that. Because... It can't get better than God himself teaching us. So I want to, I'm going to read it, and then we're just going to kind of quickly dissect it. Um, and I'm going to start in verse 9, because in the beginning he's, he said, like, don't pray in the synagogues for people to see you. Like, don't just pray that people see you, and don't just lift up words that you don't understand. Like, pray with a sincere heart. And he, verse 9, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so most of us are like, man, um, I, I, I know that and that kind of stuff. But I want us to see, this, there's two words that I want us to get when it comes to prayer. And he, he teaches us in this. It's praise and petition. Praise and petition. So petition is just asking for something you petition something you're asking for something and so he's teaching us you praise god and you can and you petition god and that looks different we'll talk about that in a second but you see this our father in heaven hallowed be your name and so hallowed make your name holy make your name famous make it big and so jesus is saying when we pray to god we're saying god look at how big you are look how majestic you are look how incredible you are you how beautiful you are and then he goes into asking, your kingdom come, your will be done. And he's saying, it's not, not about what I want, not about what I, I, I feel like I need in this moment. I want your will ultimately to be done here. Just as it is in perfection, I want it to be done here. And, he, and just as in heaven, this idea of everything's perfect, it, it, it's beautiful there. Everything as you designed it is there. Your holiness is there. And then you can just see it all over this text, this idea of praising God and asking God. Give us today our daily bread, not food per se, but our needs in the moment. Not 
hey, God, I, I, I would I really like if that girl paid me some attention, or I, I didn't study last night, but I need an A, or um, I'm grounded and can't go out this weekend. Not those kind of prayers like, Jesus, I don't know if I'll make it through the day without you being near to me. I need you now. And that's a different prayer. And see, these two parts, ultimately, and you see at the end of it, praise and petition, when they're combined in prayer, always lead to confession. When it's, when it's with a real heart, it's not just a repetitive prayer. It's not just praying because I was told to pray or that's what Christians are supposed to do. It's when you are actually praising God for who He is and asking God of your needs. It will lead you into confession. And you see that. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This idea of like, Jesus, I, I can't do this on my own. You're going to have to. I've messed up and I get that. And you're holy and you're perfect. Save me from this. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. It always leads to confession. And so I, I wrote the, uh, the last slide. Jesus, you see this, he praises God. So praise. And then ask God. It's a petition. You're, you're praising God for how incredible and perfect he is. You're asking God for help. You're petitioning him to, to give you the needs that you need to, for his kingdom, not for your kingdom. This isn't about building Bridge Farmer's kingdom. It's about building Jesus' kingdom asking God for those, and confessing my sins into repentance. And it's not system, I don't have to wake up in the morning and go, oh, I immediately woke up and asked God, I've got to go back and, and praise Him for how good He is. Or I, I started off with confession, but I forgot praise, and then ask. It's not, you know, step one, step two, step three. It's just you'll find these in a heart that's crying out to God. You'll find these three in them. And sometimes it's like, man, life's good. Praise God. Everything's good. Just I, I, I give you praise back, praise back. Some days you wake up and you're just you feel the weight of the day. Anyone woke up and just like today's gonna be bad? I'm gonna need some help. Anyone, yeah? And some of the days, man, it's just like throwing petitions at God. Some days it's just confession and petition and but majority of the time you're gonna find these three ideas in your prayer. If you're praying as if a righteous person's praying, a person that Jesus sees. Let's see, as the band comes up, I get that prayer can almost be intimidating. Right? You're praying in front of a person or in front of a group of people and you're like, man, they're going to judge me on what I say or how I say this or if I use this word correctly and stuff like that. And what I want us to see more than anything is God isn't looking for your words. You can look at that in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer in Hebrews, er, Matthew chapter 6. He's not looking for lofty words. He's not looking for these ideas of just, man, look at how incredible that person prays. But he's looking for the humble heart, the heart that sees that he's bigger and he's better and he's holy, and he's after, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done. And see, some of us just don't know what to pray. And the beautiful truth about Scripture is that it tells us when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Which just means He steps in in our place and prays for us. He's praying for you. Get that. Jesus is before the Father and through the Holy Spirit petitioning on your behalf for you. This holy God desires that you succeed. Not so you just have a better life, but that His name is made famous in your life. And when his name is made famous in your life, you live the best life. It's not about what the culture says is best. It's about knowing 
him. And at the end of the day, standing face to face with Jesus, I love if you went, uh, some of the college students, and if you got to watch it online, Passion. And Francis Chan was talking about prayer, and his prayer, he's got one of the craziest prayer lives. But he was talking about the end of his life. I think it was a Passion. Anyway, Francis Chan one time, at the end of his life, he's talking about, I could die today and stand in front of Jesus and be like, I was just talking with you. I know you. We communicate. And that's what you get to do when you pray. It's not about just repeating something back and forth. It's about knowing Him and experiencing Him. Because He's near and He hears you. And because He longs for you just to know. When you pray, it's not because God needs an ego boost. He knows He's holy. He doesn't need our reminder. But it's good for your heart to be reminded that He's holy. And that He's in heaven. He's above everything. He doesn't need you to tell him for his kingdom to come and his will be done, but you need that reminder. And so some of us just don't know how to pray. You don't know where to start. And I have days where I'm like, I, I, I got nothing, God. I feel, I feel empty. I, I feel taxed. I just feel exhausted. I, I, I don't know what to do. And I've had a lot of those days lately. God, I, don't, I, I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know what, I don't know what you want from me. And the best thing I can tell you to do is if this is His Word and He spoke it to us, pray it back to Him. And it's not reminding God that it's His Word. It's reading over Scripture and saying, I want that true in my life. Help me understand this. Remind me of this. Make this true in my life. I want this for me. So I I, I just created this little document today and it's over on this table. So I pray that you grab this. Go home with it. Look over it all week pray through this. And this is not, like, don't just read it as your prayer. It's just a guide on how to do it. Very simple. And it's just Psalm chapter 23. So the first two verses said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And I just wrote underneath it, Jesus, teach me to want what you want and to rest in you alone. Simple. It's not much. It's not even that big of a deal. It's just the idea of, Jesus, I don't want to want unless it's what you want, and and I need to rest in you. Stop trying to get approved. Stop living on Instagram and trying to live up to all this life, and I get that for students. You, You struggle with this approval idea. Rest in Jesus. Three, he stores my soul and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sometimes I don't know how to how I need to be restored, Jesus. Teach me to be righteous that I might make you famous. It's simple. And you can do this with every chapter of the Bible. Jesus, I don't know what this means. I don't necessarily know what this means. I want this true in my life. Your kingdom come, your will be done. What does that even look like in my life? Jesus, reveal that to me. And you can start. Because it's not a big deal. Prayer is just you communicating with God because He hears and He's near. So students, what's keeping you from praying? What's hindering you from praying? Is it this? Is it just the approval? Is it just not knowing? Is it you're just too busy on your cell phone or you can't stop Netflix or you just don't feel like you know what to say or you don't even know if he's listening? If you're in Christ, he sees righteousness and he hears the righteous cry. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we... We thank you for who you are. 
God, we thank you that you are holy, you are perfect, you are righteous. You, there's no name above your name. There's no name better than your name. There's no one better than you. And with all that still being true, you want us, you long for us, you desire us, and you are near to us, and you hear our cries. So Jesus, may, may the students, my prayer for students, God, my prayer for students is that they believe that. Give them faith to believe that, to trust that, that you are near to them and you're listening to them. May they lay it all before you. May they come to the cross where it's all level ground and lay before their sorrows, their worries, their anxieties, their, even their happiness, Jesus, and say, it's yours, will you, will you heal me? I want to become more like you. I want, I want to really embody the idea of righteousness so your name will be made famous, Jesus. Not so anyone looks at me. Students, I don't want anyone to keep with your heads still bowed. I don't want anyone to look at you and be like, look how impressive they are. I want people to look at you and say, look how impressive Jesus is. So Jesus, may that become true. May we, may we praise you for who you are. May we ask of you what we need. And may we confess what's keeping us from seeing you fully. So Jesus, in this moment, may we, as we sing the song, may we just say, here's our heart, God. You know our heart. You fully know it. You already know it. Here it is. Do what you will with it. It's yours, Jesus. And some students, if this, is, if this has never taken place, if your heart has never been fully given to God, tonight is the night. Tonight is the night that you say, Jesus, I, I, I don't get what this idea is to cry out. I don't know. I, I believe you don't hear me. And Scripture says, if you will call the name of the Lord, He will save. He will save. Not if, it will. So if you need to call on the Lord, call on the Lord. If you need to talk with a leader, grab one of us. So Jesus, may your name be famous. Amen.